Mariana led us to, uh, into a beginning of a 40-day church fast. And um, this morning I'm going to uh, bring to you a portion of what we are wanting to consider and think about. Uh, two primary areas that we're considering and, and praying and, and looking to uh, gain some more understandings about is uh, understanding and knowing God's will as well as hearing his voice, kind of going together on that. So during these uh, weeks, our intention is for us to discontinue some practice with the intention of using that time to uh, pursue time with God and hearing his voice. And if Tina would come forward, wherever in the world she is, okay. with you without crying throughout the whole thing, but I'm not ashamed of my tears, so you don't have to be embarrassed for me. Love you too. Um, I think I'm going to kind of read a little bit too, just because, but um, this past time of fasting has just been awesome for me. Uh, This fast is different for me than... um, I mean, each fast has its own thing, but this one is like, this is the crossroads. So as usual, you know, when you're talking to other people, encouraging them, God works on you. And uh, something I had shared with someone to think about actually got me to thinking that... Um, I've been through the David Ramsey course, and he talked about if you don't tell your money where to go, budget every penny, it's going to go wherever, and it's going to be gone. And I was thinking about time, too, is the same way. If I don't tell my time where to go, it's, it's gone, and to what purpose? And then I was thinking about it's the same thing with relationships as well. If we don't have a plan and purpose with our relationships with God and others, They'll be whatever, and they'll go wherever or nowhere. So, uh, I say this fast is different, but actually I'm also in a different place. And I feel like God is asking me, here's a path before you, and it's the easy way. (laughs) And here's the narrow path. You decide which one you're going to walk on. Because you could be cold and you could be hot. But if you're lukewarm, I will spit you out of my mouth. I cannot handle an unpalatable relationship. I've been really realizing that I've been living life trying to get God to come down to my level where I'm holding on to my things that bear me down. And I've been unwilling to let go of quite a few things. And I wondered and been thinking about it, and I think some of the things I've not allowed myself to let go of because I was deceived 
allowed myself to be deceived that they were in some way wrapped up in my identity of who I am. But I am discovering and letting go of those things. And some of those things were very precious to me. But you know what? God is so much better able to hold on to them than I am. But when I let go of them, I make room for him to show me my true identity. (sighs) To tell me who I truly am. I can hear the plans that he has for me. The role he has for me in the body. Instead of being busy for the Lord... I can be on purpose for the Lord with my time, my money, and my relationships. So this fast for me is not a period of 40 days. It's my life. We have been doing this for, gosh, I don't know, five, six years, something like that beginning of each year and um, the cool thing about uh, fasting is it's intentional it's an opportunity to provide space for God and um, sometimes that's more interactive and more helpful than others for different ones but each year we have had testimonies like that of folks whom have found a connection um, a sense of understanding, a change that has brought tremendous good. And so we're encouraged to uh, provide that opportunity for us uh, as a congregation. Mariana also uh, highlighted and talked last week about uh, how the Bible teaches that we have been created on purpose and for a purpose. Jesus summarized that purpose as loving God and loving others two great commandments. From the moment that we are born till the day we pass from this life to the next, everything we do, everything we think, everything we feel is to be for the purpose of loving God and loving others. However, our most significant challenge to fulfilling that, even as Tina highlighted, is ourselves. More than circumstances, more than other people, Jesus said in Mark 8.35, to truly live, you must die. It could well be said as well, to truly love, you must die. Love is the laying down of myself for the purpose and intention of giving care to another. And this death to self this acknowledgement of less of me and more of you, God, fulfills that very purpose. It allows God's life, His power, to flow into us. When there's less of me, there can be more of Him. But to the degree that there's a whole lot of me, it's a little bit less of Him. Besides our primary purpose, we might call this, we're also each given assignments, roles by God that give us opportunities to, in fact, fulfill this purpose. Apostle Paul says in Romans 8, 29, From the very beginning, 
God decided to shape the lives of those who love him along the same lines as the life of his son. In Jesus, we see the original and intended shape of our lives. One of the things that I uh, often encourage uh, those who are just coming into relationship with God, and I'm interacting with them about Scripture and Bible reading and having time with God, the first place I encourage them to go is the Gospels. In those books, we get a pretty clear picture of the kind of life that we're to live by looking at the life of Jesus. The little bracelet used to say, what would Jesus do? I've said this before, I'll say it again. I like it better, what would Jesus be? And what would we be? Because doing comes out of being. And these purposes, these understandings come out of a reshaping of who we have been to who we're going to be. Very poor English, but track with me. So Christ becomes this shape of what we're to be like. And so I would just encourage you, uh, even during these weeks of the fast, understanding God's will for our lives, hearing his voice, gospels are rich with teachings and understandings about how we're to do that. One of the first assignments that we have been given is that each one of us are born into a family. Family is a part of the the makeup of our world. It's the part of the makeup of, of the nature of God. The Trinity is three in one. It's a community of love. And so his intention is for that first assignment to be a place where we learn to love, where we learn to die. To ourselves. But also, as followers of Christ, we're born into a spiritual family, which is experienced in a local church. That's our second assignment, so to speak. But additionally, every follower of Christ has also been given the assignment of loving those outside the church, leading them into restored relationships with God and a connected relationship in the spiritual family of the local church. Those are some of our primary assignments. Yes, we have careers and we um, have a variety of other tasks that we have to do throughout our lives, but as primary assignments on the earth, those are three of our most significant. Now, to accomplish those assignments, like any assignment, whether it be um, a school assignment, like I am working on still, or whether it be uh, a military assignment, whether it be whatever kind of assignment, we need tools, right? Hard to do assignments. I have an, I have an eight-page paper due tomorrow night. Um, would have worked on it yesterday, but I was doing this instead, so you can pray for me that I can get that done by tomorrow night. Um, but I need tools to complete that assignment. So if you were to look in my office, you would see about five books stretched out with open because I'm doing research, I have to do research. I have an eight-page paper due every week, every Monday night, along with my other classwork and my other class. So you all can understand why I am not quite uh, as available. One more semester. Anyway, I need tools. I mean, yeah, I've got a lot of information that I've learned over the years. I have a lot of understanding from the degree that I'm working on. But in order to complete this assignment appropriately, not plagiarize, 
um, I need to go to other sources to research and to acknowledge those resources. Well, we have assignments, loving God and loving others. To fulfill those assignments, we need tools. So God has uniquely shaped each one of us. And that shape goes beyond our physical body and it goes into describing six elements that we're going to talk about over the next two weeks. One of the elements of our unique shape is spiritual gifts. I'm going to spend quite a bit of time on that this morning. Another part of our unique shape is our heart or our passion. Another is the area of our abilities. There's personality, experiences, and then a last one we'll touch on will be sphere of influence. Those tools, those means are ways that God can facilitate to us and for us the fulfillment of our assignments. And if we're going to fulfill our assignments, then we're going to need to understand those tools and to be effective in using them. God's will. Well, one of the ways that we know God's will is to understand how he has shaped us. Because each one of us have been through a process of development into becoming more like Jesus. Though we may not always fully comprehend it, everything has a purpose. Now, over here, I have uh, three objects. And a number of uh, friends attempted to remove them from the area this morning, thinking that they didn't belong there. So we have identified that they are uh, somewhat out of their purpose zone if they are sitting up here. However, they are on purpose this morning. And um, as I was reflecting yesterday and trying to look around for some objects I could use, for some reason those are the three that uh, just sort of became readily available. And as I uh, completed the message last night, laying in bed, praying, thinking, uh, the Lord gave me some ways to help us see some things that perhaps might be a thread all the way through what we're going to do over these two weeks. So these three objects each have a purpose. So let's, you can all help me. What, what's the purpose of that item over there? Sit on it. Sit on it. What's it called? A stool. Cool. All right. This one here? This is a table. What is it intended for? It holds things. Things rest on it. And then we can do things with those things, such as eat. And, and then this one, what is this called? Step stool. So it has a similar word as that one over there, but it has an addition. And what's that addition? It's a step. It, this one is actually designed to be stepped on, right? Right. Now, how many of you, how many of you have ever used one of these to stand on it? Okay, you were not using it according to its purpose. How many of you have ever stepped on one of these? How many would like to try that on this table? Now, so, yes, one of these on top of that. I have two, Daniel. <laughs> and one of those on top of one of these. Now, no, I have not done all three. I'm, I'm not going there. Now, 
How many of you have ever sat on one of these? How many of you have ever sat on one of these? How many of you have ever sat on one of these? So, everything has a purpose. And those things can be used for other purposes. Sometimes very helpfully and sometimes dangerously. And I would advocate that as we uh, go through this material, as we reflect on our purpose and our shape, that there are many ways to express our shape. Some of them are right on the mark. To sit on. To stand. To rest things on. But some of those things can also be off the mark. They can bring disappointment. They can bring pain. They can make us sad. And so as, as we work through this material, as you work through it in your community groups, considering these uh, various elements, I would just very much encourage you that there is a, a reflection of Christ that is intended for each of us to express uniquely in who we are and what he's done for us. The Apostle Paul said in Ephesians 2.10, We are God's workmanship, created in Christ Jesus to do good works, which God prepared in advance for us to do. That word, workmanship, from it we get our English word, poem. You and I are God's poem a uniquely crafted work of art. None of us are an assembly line product. None of us have been mass produced without any difference between one and another. Each of us is custom designed, one of a kind, an original masterpiece. Just look around you. There's a masterpiece sitting right next to you. God's masterpiece. Every person in this room is a masterpiece created by God. Just as God has uniquely shaped us physically, God has shaped us for unique life expression, the fulfilling of our assignments and our purpose. And as I mentioned, these next two weeks, we're going to look at these six characteristics, these six areas. This morning we're going to cover three of those, I think. We'll see. Before we go into that, though, let's pray. Papa, I thank you for the invitation that you have given to each one of us to partner with you in your cause. That you have created us on purpose and for a purpose. That you have worked and are working on the various assignments that we have and the ways to fulfill that. Father, I am thoughtful as I go through this material that at age 53, having been in ministry now for 23 years, that I have seen this expression of uniqueness in my life and in the lives of so many others. And when we are fulfilling those assignments in the ways that you've created it to created us, it is so successful, it is so helpful, it is so beneficial. 
But when we miss, when we are expressing things in ways that you don't intend, Lord, there's so much pain. There's so much disappointment. And so as each of us consider uh, this topic, one perhaps that is just very familiar, oh yes, I've heard this a hundred times, or whether it is someone who is on the edge of their seat reflecting, how can I fulfill the destiny, the calling, the assignments of God in my life. I pray that your Holy Spirit would use this time to stir us, to enlighten us, to help us understand your will for our lives through these understandings about our shape. I pray, Holy Spirit, that you would come and be with us, that you would meet us here today, that not one would leave without having connected with you in a significant way. In Jesus' name, amen. Spiritual gifts are a topic that was particularly uh, of high interest for what I recollect back in back in the 70s and 80s, a lot of reflection. I, I remember kind of as a, as an older teen, you know, going through assessments on spiritual gifts, and then that continuing uh, for a seasons. Um, it's been a little quiet lately on this topic. Other topics have uh, taken a greater forefront. However, I, I uh, there are understandings about spiritual gifts that I believe are very very important for us to grasp. And so we're going to walk through this material. I'm going to give you some understandings, as I believe the scriptures speak of, and look at some passages together. Let me first give you a definition for spiritual gifts, as I understand the scriptures to teach them. Spiritual gifts are supernaturally endowed power and abilities that are given by God to Christians to aid us in helping and loving others supernaturally endowed power and abilities given to us by God. So they're not something that's innate in us. They're something that are given. They're provided. We're not born with them. They're not learned. We don't earn them. They're both endowed, meaning given to us for a specific ministry expression, and also given spontaneously by God for a specific need at a specific moment. And and there's a transition from perhaps a more traditional understanding of gifts as some of us have been taught. They're given to us for ministry expression, but also spontaneously for specific needs at specific moments. Over our lifetime we can receive and experience many of the spiritual gifts. We're not limited in some way to having been given one or two. But instead, all the gifts can be dispensed to each of us as the Holy Spirit would give them. Spiritual gifts are God's presence to needy people. But they're given through others. We become a conduit of God's empowerment for another. Spiritual gifts are not for me. I don't get one for me. It's not a Christmas present or a birthday present for me. It's a birthday present or a Christmas present for someone else. I happen to be the one who has that privilege to dispense it to them. 
Spiritual gifts are things like uh, teaching, healing, miracles, faith, mercy, hospitality, craftsmanship, artistry, and lots more. Community groups are going to be looking at 23 spiritual gifts this coming week uh, in their materials. And if you're not in a group, I would highly encourage you to consider being in one for these weeks as the groups are going to be interacting with the material we're bringing on Sunday mornings to help us uh, more fully uh, lay hold of them. As I said, spiritual gifts are not for us. They're given to us by God to give to others. We're like the postman. The postman doesn't write you a letter. They don't send you a check. He just delivers someone else's mail to you. And in a similar way, we are called to deliver God's gifts of healing, encouragement, mercy to others. Spiritual gifts are described and talked about in a number of New Testament passages and seen in lots of Old Testament passages. Not, dis- not talked about, not identified, but can be seen. Also in the life of Jesus, we can see the expression of spiritual gifts throughout his ministry, but it's not described in that way. It doesn't say, oh, now Jesus, expressing the spiritual gift of healing, went out and healed 300. It just says Jesus healed or gave encouragement or taught. And so we want to not exclude the Old Testament or other passages that don't speak of them, but there's a few primary ones, uh, both in Paul and, and Peter, where there's a greater description to help us understand them, and then we can better identify them in other passages. Uh, One of those that's uh, perhaps probably the most lengthy, the most expressive, is found in 1 Corinthians 12. And if you have a Bible, we're going to spend just uh, some time there uh, reading the first 14 verses of that. 1 Corinthians is a a letter written by the Apostle Paul to one of the churches that he knew very well. He had spent much time with them. Uh, The Corinthian church was a dynamic church. They were full of life, full of excitement, a lot of uh, evangelism, a lot of conversion, a lot of wonderful stuff. But Paul had become aware of some um, elements that he was concerned about and wrote this letter to bring some correction to them. And so much of the letter, uh, if, if viewed and understood in that way, you can see this idea that Paul is is trying to bring some balance to some things that are out of balance. And spiritual gifts are one of those things that can get out of balance. They can have an extreme of tremendous expression, lots of life, a, a little crazy maybe, but they can be the other way where they aren't even being expressed or talked about. And and Paul here in this passage is wanting to bring some balance to say, hey, these things are important. You need to understand them. But we need to not be crazy with them. Does that make sense? So let's uh, look at 1 Corinthians chapter 12. I'm reading from the new RSV. Most of you like the message these days, but when I look at the text, I have I have a parallel. I have a Bible program, I look at parallel and I look at all of them and I go to my Greek and I mess around with it some and I go, I like the new RSV. (laughs) So that's the Bible I've had since 1991. I know, I'm old. Oh well. 1 Corinthians 12, 1 through 14. Now concerning spiritual gifts, brothers and sisters, I do not want you to be uninformed. 
You know that when you were pagans, those who didn't follow God, you were enticed and led astray to worship idols that would not speak. So I want you to understand that no one who is speaking with the help of God's Spirit says, Jesus, be cursed. And no one can say Jesus is Lord without the help of the Holy Spirit. Now, there are varieties of gifts, but the same Spirit. And there are varieties of services, but the same Lord. And there are varieties of activities, but it is the same God who energizes all of them in everyone. To each is given the manifestation of the Spirit for the common good. To one is given through the Spirit the utterance of wisdom. To another, the utterance of knowledge, according to the same Spirit. To another, faith by the same Spirit. To another, gifts of healing by the one Spirit. To another, the working of miracles. To another, prophecy. To another, the discerning of spirits. To another, various kinds of tongues. To another, the interpretation of tongues. All these are activated by one and the same Spirit who distributes to each person as he chooses, just as the body is one and has many parts, and all the parts of the body, though many, are one body, so it is with Christ. For in the one Spirit we are all baptized into one body, just Jews or Greeks, slaves or free, and we are all made to drink of one Spirit. Indeed, the body does not consist of one part, but of many." Now, we could read through the whole rest of that chapter and even into chapter 13 and through 14 to get the most um, broad understanding that Paul is bringing here, but I'm not going to do that. But I would encourage you to do that because there is additional understandings in all three of these chapters about the use and expression of spiritual gifts. One key I'm going to give to you is that if we were to have backed up into chapter 11, Paul began to address some challenges in the church, and he began them with the word, when you come together, there's problems. This passage falls within the framework of Paul talking about the church gathered. And that's key here because the picture that's given to each is given the manifestation of the Spirit for the common good, to one is given this, to another given this. It sounds like that we're being given a spiritual gift, each one of us. But if we think about it in the context of when we come together, then we can grasp that the Spirit may give to one this week one thing and to another next week something else. And so... Uh, we understand from this context that primarily in this section, Paul is talking about the gathered community, that the Spirit distributes as he wills, as he has needs. One of the things we provide at the end of our service is an opportunity for various ones to, uh, to share something that they are discerning from the Spirit that's for the service for this time. And so we experience some of the spiritual gifts in that way. Real low-key for us, not a lot of hype around it, uh, but an expression of spiritual gifts. I want to give you seven truths about spiritual gifts. Most, Many are reflected here in these passages. Uh, there are a few of these, a couple of these are from other places. Um, 
1 Corinthians 12, 7 says to us that every Christian is to express spiritual gifts. Every one of us, to each is given. Secondly, later on in 1 Corinthians, Paul makes an incredible statement. He says, pursue prophecy. And from that we recognize and understand that we're to pursue spiritual gifts. Gifts are be, to be desired. They're to be something that are sought. And the challenge in traditional understandings is, if I'm given a gift, then it would be inappropriate for me to seek somebody else's gift or to seek the expression of another gift, right? That's, that's kind of jealousy. But Paul actually trains us and teaches us, no, you can desire other gifts. You can seek God. God, I would like to see that expression in my life. That would be really cool. I'd like to raise somebody from the dead. That would be really cool. Clara's been had an opportunity for that three times. Uh, Mercy, uh, what's your name? Esther is sitting here as, as one of those. And you can ask her or Clara the story. I suspect... Esther may still remember it. So gifts are be to be desired. Thirdly, you cannot earn or work for a spiritual gift. Ephesians 4, 7. I'm not going to read these passages. There's too much material here. I'll read a few of them, but not these in this case. We can't earn it. And that's one of the mistakes that we sometimes experience is somehow thinking that that uh, their merit badges, spiritual gifts and merit badges, or, you know, awards for spirituality, and they're not. You cannot earn them. They are given. They are given. They're distributed by the Holy Spirit. It is the Holy Spirit who decides what gifts we express, what gifts are manifest to us at a particular time or place. Fifthly, we are to develop the gifts which God gives us. 1 Timothy 4.14 Paul there is speaking to Timothy and he's, he's essentially encouraging him to, to uh, develop this area of teaching. And so you'd think, well, gosh, how can I develop a gift that's given? By becoming familiar with how it's used, how the Holy Spirit expresses that. How is that working in other people's lives? We can learn about the spiritual gifts by reading Jesus' life. and go, wow, look at that. That's how that works. Even healing. If you look at Jesus' ministry, you can learn a lot about some methods and models for healing in his life. It's not just magic every time. It's not the same way every time. You know, he used mud to put in somebody's eyes, right? Once? How many of you have tried doing that for somebody who's blind? Go get some mud, spit on it, mix it up, stuff it in their eyes and say, See! I haven't tried that one yet. He also spit on his fingertips and stuck them in somebody's ears once. (laughs) Holy spit, she said. Holy spit, Batman. Um, Anyway, won't go there. That's a whole much longer course, the healing ministry of Jesus. But we can develop. We can be trained. We can learn. We can understand and gain understandings about them. 
Number six, it is a sin to waste the gifts which God has given us. You know, um, all three of these items were sitting in the back behind the curtain. They're currently not being used in our congregation. Uh, we have a, we uh, at one time had a larger facility, and we had you know one of those in every single classroom and all six bathrooms and you know and all that stuff. We had a, a, a lobby that had about ten of those tables uh, in there um, for sitting around and drinking coffee. I don't know where that stool came from. I I don't remember ever seeing it before, but anyway, it was it was here. Well. It's kind of sad that they're not being used. You know, if any, do any of you need any of these? You're welcome to take them home with you today at the end of the day. Um, or if you know of a family, in fact, uh, yeah. Anyway, we'll work on it. The point is, is, is God wants to use us to express through us. If we're not an available tool to him, then something's not going to get done or somebody else is going to have to do it. And I would advocate that 1 Corinthians 4, 1 through 2, and Matthew 25, 14 through 30 describes an expression of stewardship of God's gifts, of what God has given and put in us. All of these various elements of shape that would be a sin not to be expressing and make them available to God for His glory and His kingdom. And that is said in John 15, 8, using gifts glorifies God and it grows us up. So those are some truths about spiritual gifts. Let me talk about the purpose of spiritual gifts. I've already suggested this before. You're going to hear it a lot from me because I think it's a, it really clarifies a misunderstanding. Uh, gifts are not for my benefit. They're the benefit of others. 1 Peter 4.10 Each one of you, as a good manager of God's different gifts, must use them for the good of others. 1 Corinthians 12:7 The Holy Spirit displays God's power through each of us as a means of helping the entire church. So they're not for my benefit, they're for the benefit of others. So to desire spiritual gifts is not selfish. If your understanding is I want to begin to experience these to help others better God. That's a great prayer. Secondly, the purpose of spiritual gifts is to produce maturity and stability in the church family. Awesome passage, Ephesians 4, 11, then 13 through 14. It is he, Christ, who gave gifts to men to build up the body of Christ so we shall all come together to that oneness in our faith and become mature then we shall no longer be children carried by the waves and blown about by every shifting wind. The gifts are intended by God to bring maturity to the body. Yes, they grow us, but they're also intended to grow the body into fullness of health and wholeness. Thirdly, the purpose of spiritual gifts is to advance God's kingdom in the world and to lead others to Christ. Acts 1.8 But when the Holy Spirit has come upon you, you will receive power and will tell people about me everywhere. Here is an expression of, the, of God's power, his dunamis, his empowering presence, his grace, that's given for the purpose of expressing and reaching out to others. Let me give you some cautions. I've touched on a couple of these already. Some cautions about spiritual gifts. 
We don't want to confuse gifts with natural talents. Sometimes someone will have a tremendous administrative talent, abilities, and we'll say, oh, they must have you know, the gift of administration. They're not the same. And we'll touch on that in a minute. Also, don't confuse gifts with Christian roles. I have a role of pastor. I have a role of teacher. I also have an office, and we'll touch on that in a moment, of pastor and teacher. Those are not the same as the spiritual gifts that are distributed as needed in moments and spontaneously. Thirdly, don't confuse gifts with the fruit of the Spirit. The fruit of the Spirit, Paul declares in Galatians 5, is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, generosity, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Those are expressions of Christian maturity. Those are expressions of looking like Jesus. The fruit of the Spirit described in Galatians 5. Gifts, however do not describe maturity. They describe God's grace. They are a picture. They demonstrate God's power at work. I remember real early on uh, in the days of the vineyard when we first uh, became involved and began to be trained and understood uh, some of these understandings about spiritual gifts that the church was a very young church. Probably 80% of the people were under 25 Claire and I were 25 when we first were attending the Anaheim Vineyard back in uh, 1992. And, um, 82, excuse me. There were um, a lot of very excited young people there. And God was using them in incredible ways. But they weren't mature people. And it got a little messy sometimes. Because the maturity and the, the gifting weren't in parallel. The two railroad tracks were kind of like doing this. <laughs> the, train was having, the train was having a hard time staying on the track. Does that make sense? So they're not the same. Maturity, spiritual gifts, we've said, are, are, they're not awards for being spiritually mature. The fruit of the exp- spirit are expressions of Christian maturity. The gifts simply demonstrate God's grace, his love, his care for people. Further on in 1 Corinthians 12, um, after the section we read, there is a a pretty significant description of material there where Paul is attempting to deal with some problems in the area of spiritual gifts. I am not going to get through the other materials, so we'll just do spiritual gifts this morning and call it done. I'll work on the other. The others are shorter. This is the longer one. And in that section of material, Paul essentially encourages Christians to be aware of this tendency of what I call gift projection, where we expect others to express gifts or serve in the way that I do or with my similar results. The passage talks about if everyone were an eye, you know, where would the toe be and that kind of thing. Why do you want the toe to be like an eye? It can't be. We're all unique. We're all different. And there is a tendency uh, when there is less maturity in place with spiritual gifts to think, well, gosh, why isn't everyone doing this? Why isn't everyone involved in evangelism? Why isn't everyone involved in feeding the poor? Why isn't everyone involved in intercessory prayer? What's up with this? Right? 
That's gift projection. I don't have the same passions, heart, gifting that Donna or my wife have in the area of intercessory prayer. Does that mean I shouldn't pray? No. But it does mean that there is an expression of gifting in empowerment and endowment of God in them in that area that's different than mine. Claire. I'm going to get there. Yeah, a, a little bit. Yeah, I'm going to, there'll be some clarification here. But, but this gift projection idea, I just, that's, that's something I want us to be aware of and a caution about. And again, you can read further in chapter 12. It will make more sense if you understand that's what Paul's trying to deal with there. So we want to be careful to try and think that everybody should be like us in this arena. Uh, 1 Corinthians 12.21 talks about the issue of don't feel that your gift makes you superior. You know, I'm a mouth instead of, you know, a toe. And so therefore, you know, my gift is better than yours. And again, that same text of material is describing that, no, we're all needed. All the parts are important. And, and no one part is more important than another. And then uh, another one here, number six. Realize that expressing gifts without love is totally worthless. Spiritual gifts are gifts for someone else. They're expressions of God's grace, love, and care. If you attempt to do that without love, it's going to look really bad. 1 Corinthians 13, 1-3 I may be able to speak the language of men and even of angels. I may have the gift of inspiring preaching. I may have all knowledge, all faith to move mountains. But if I have not love, I am nothing, and it does no good. In fact, it probably does harm. So those are some uh, cautions. Let's uh, talk now about this arena of what I call the expressions and dynamics of gifts. The expressions and dynamics of gifts. Uh, Earlier, we looked at the 1 Corinthians 12 passage, and and one of those uh, verses that we read was verses 4 through 6 from 1 Corinthians 12, and I'm going to read it again. Now, there are varieties of gifts but the same Spirit. And there are varieties of services, but the same Lord. And there are varieties of activities, but is the same God who energizes all of them in every one. Now, I'm going to explain uh, here and suggest uh, a dynamic and expression of gifts that I I wouldn't uh, swear and, and die on the Bible is this is exactly what Paul meant by this. This is what I understand Paul meant by that. I'm going to go there, but I want you to know that there are wonderful, wonderful, a lot of Christian theologians who would just kind of go, that's not what I see there. I'm okay with that. You'd be okay with that. Okay, Paul talks about a variety of activities. Uh, The word there really is that, activities. And I would uh, call that, uh, I'm sorry, let me do it. I need to do it this way because my PowerPoint's going that way. He talks about a variety of activities. He also talks about a variety of gifts, and he talks about a variety of services. Three different Greek words, all having different understandings and expressions. Activities are are just that. They're activities. They're expressions of, of action or doing or work. And I would call that the area of the Christian role. And by that I mean that you can look at every single one of the spiritual gifts, the 23 that will be described on, on Wednesday night, or a good handful of them. Anna, go ahead and bring down the next uh, the word, because it has the word role there. 
Um, all of those spiritual gifts are to be expressed by us. There are passages of Scripture that tell us to evangelize. There are passages that tell us to be merciful. There's passages that tell us to give. There's passages that tell us to teach. All of those are expressions of roles that we as Christians should express. We just do it. We have the role to be kind, to be merciful, wonderful things. That's what I call the role. That's the activities that Paul is talking about. We don't need to wait for a spiritual gift of giving to give to somebody. Right? We don't need the spiritual gift of hospitality in order to be able to invite someone over to our home and give them a meal. We're commanded to do those things. However, in the process of doing those roles, we can anticipate and expect that God will endue us with power and a spiritual gift of hospitality will become expressed. Or a gift of teaching will become expressed. Or a gift of mercy. Does that make sense? This is quite different than a traditional understanding of spiritual gifts. Right? And uh, I've been there. You know, Claire and I, I come out of a more traditional, fundamental, Baptist-like background. And this was brand new to me in the 80s when I understand it. But it made so much sense to me. I had been trained that I was to look for and find my one spiritual gift. And once I knew that, then I could fulfill God's will for my life because now I know that I have the gift of teaching or I have the gift of mercy, so I go and do that. Leaving out this potential, one, that I have roles where I need to be working on some other things, and then secondly, that I can, I can expect God to do other things in me and through me than just that one thing. So our understanding about spiritual gifts is that all of us are to express all of them. But many of them are expressed only as a role. We just are hospitable. We just are merciful. However, we should anticipate God's power. And one of the ways you can know that it just happened is that the person experienced it. We don't always know that a gift is being expressed through us. Sometimes you can feel the energy. You can. There's a process. These, the spiritual gifts are... God is energy. Anybody have any problem with God being energy? He's more than energy, but he's energy. He's power, right? All power isn't power energy. Our bodies are electrical impulses. Our bodies are connected electrically. Doctors, am I right? Um, and... God's power sometimes passes through us and there are manifestations or expressions of power or energy that happens. Okay, way off subject. So, spiritual gifts. All right, then there's varieties of ministries. And here is where I'm going to maybe parallel to some degree what some have called having the gift of. When we are out and about or when we're in the gathered community, and we express the roles of these things. There are times when we experience the occasional spiritual gifting of one of these arenas. Some of us, however, will begin to see a more frequent expression of certain of the gifts. 
And it is possible that someone will, on a very regular basis, have words of encouragement. Or someone will have words of wisdom. Or someone will see the manifestation of healing in people's lives. And we can look at that and say, you know, they are experiencing, I I experience from them the gift of teaching a lot. And we have a word for that, which is a ministry. That God endues us some with, and wants to do it with many, with ministries of hospitality. Not just that they're nice people, not just that they occasionally are very welcoming to people, but that on a regular basis we see the effects of hospitality coming through this person. We can say, look at that and go, you know what, they have the ministry of. Some tradition would just say they have the gift of. We language it a little differently based on the context of this passage from 1 Corinthians 13. There is one other expression or dynamic of gifts which is found in Ephesians 4, 7 and 11. I'm going to read that and touch on that and then I'm going to be uh, done. Ephesians 4, 7 and 11. To each one of us, grace was given according to the measure of Christ's gift. He gave some as apostles and some as prophets and some as evangelists and some as pastors and teachers. This fourth characteristic expression area uh, we call the office. These are appointments made by God and recognized by the church of an individual to function or serve in an area of training and leadership particularly for the equipping or training of others in that spiritual gift expression. So, this too is a little different from the understanding that many have of this passage, and I will not sit here and say that this, thus saith the Lord, this is the only thing that this passage means, and this is what it is, and you better believe it, and anybody else who doesn't. No, not here. This passage, as most passages have a variety of understandings and depths and expressions. But one of those is that God does have office callings of individuals to be able to lead the church and to equip. Because the primary purpose here after these verses is, he says, for the purpose of equipping or facilitating others to do these things. So here is what I tend to would tend to suggest. Um, I began in at as a uh, 19-year-old working with youth with Clara when we uh, first got married. 20-year-old when we first got married. I had done some youth stuff before that as well, but um, and we expressed a role of of leading, of shepherd, teachers. Um, over the years we saw many occurrences of the gift of teaching and and leadership uh, and care and pastoral care for others. At some point in a time, uh, there was a recognition of the presence of a ministry of leadership and pastor. And there was the identification of our um, place in a local church 
of the office of teacher, pastor, leader. Does that make sense? There's this progression. There isn't always this same progression for everyone, but our, I would say what I'm doing up here this morning is not the office of teacher using the model that I'm expressing. I would say that I am expressing, one, the role of teaching. It's possible that the gift of teaching occurred in some of what was said this morning. And if that's true, and was true the last time I taught, and true the last time I taught before that, and true maybe one or three or five other times, then I perhaps am expressing a ministry of teaching this morning. But I'm not expressing the role, the office, and here's why. I believe that that passage is saying that those in the office of teaching ought to train others to teach. Those who have an office of evangelist would teach others how to evangelize. Now, they're, they're still going to teach about evangelism. They're still going to maybe teach in other settings that you know may have that expression, but when we are expressing that office calling, so when Claire and I train and equip leaders to become pastors and leaders, then we're expressing the office of leadership, the office of teaching. That's how I get it. Again, not the, the end all of end alls, but I think it makes sense out of these passages. I, I have, I have, uh, I think unhelpfully heard people describe this passage from Ephesians and somehow elevating you know, certain people in the, in the church to these extraordinary positions where they really ought to not be. Somebody having the five-fold ministry. I don't have any five-fold ministry. I'm not interested in the five-fold ministry. I'm interested in expressing what God wants to do in and through me. And any of us can experience and express the variety of these gifts. When we do that, when we understand these things and make ourselves available to God, we are fulfilling His will. We are fulfilling our assignments and being able to see the effects of these wonderful things, spiritual gifts, take on in people's lives and people are helped. And that's where we want a part of what we want to do. Let's pray. Papa, uh, some unfamiliar material to some here today, and I just uh, ask that you would just help them to process it and uh, that which is uh, helpful and encouraging, uh, that uh, this would lay hold of their hearts, that which is uh, insignificant for their circumstance or situation. Lord, let it just pass on by. Um, but for all of us, Papa, we are here talking about spending time reflecting in these weeks about living our life on purpose, about understanding your will, about fulfilling our roles, our assignments, our destiny. And Lord, I ask that you would stir up the gifts in this congregation. I think that there's elements in which we have pendulum swung a little bit maybe towards the, the less effective, quieter side. And Paul might want to send us a letter and encourage us to get a little bit more activated. That'd be okay. So, he prayed that once. He prayed 
for a congregation that you would stir the gifts. And I welcome you to do that here among us. And so even now this morning, or where we have been obstinate and opposed to spiritual gifts, I pray that you would open our hearts and minds. Where we have been excessive or judgmental, jealous or proud, I pray that you would shoot those things down in us. And that we would come together as a body to see and welcome your presence through one another. That all of us here are to express the gifts. There's not a one here who is unworthy. There's not a one here, Lord, who is ineffectively trained. Lord, we are all available here. And Paul says, I want you to not be uninformed. And Lord, I don't want us to be uninformed. I want us to see this part of your destiny for our lives expressed here among us and towards the lost, towards those who don't yet know you. That all that is within your heart, all that within your Holy Spirit wants to do to administrate and manifest the gifts, let it be done. Let it come. Have your way, God, not our way. Not a nice, pretty, soft, uh, mild little service. Not a wild and crazy, hairy one. Lord, your service, your gifts, your ways. In Jesus' name. Amen. Handheld. This one will work. You can't go quite as far. Okay. Um, I think that some things have been brought up that maybe you have some questions. And maybe some of you would like to ask the question now. Or maybe you'd like to ask it in private. Uh, Randy and I are going to go to Aladdin's Grill for lunch. And if you'd like to ask some of those questions about spiritual gifts with us, you're welcome to come and sit with us and talk to us about it. Okay? Um, or if you have a question you just like, I, I think it's important from, for clarification, I'd like to ask a question from today's teaching for the body because you feel like your question will help bring some clarification to the body, then we could take some time right now for that. Is there a question for clarification purposes that you feel would be helpful to ask right now? that you would like Randy or I to, to answer. Okay, so then you can have lunch with us. Let's go across the street and we'll be there and you have a question that you want to ask and you want to say, well, Pastor, you know, I really had a hard time with that way you just said that or this is the way I learned it and I I'm, got questions. That's good. Because in that process, then Randy, you know, who's, who is a teacher, can help you, and or myself can help you to sort through some of those thoughts and questions that you have, okay? Because this is new for, I think, many of you in the church. Um, so, when Paul says, you know, I wish you would have all these gifts, but particularly I wish that you would have the gift of prophecy, that you would pursue the gift of prophecy. I want to ask this question to you. Why do you think that one was most important? 
It builds up the body. Pardon? It encourages the body. It strengthens the body. I mean, do you think that if we were to see someone get healed this morning, that that would encourage us? That might build us up? That might strengthen us? I mean, do you, do you think it's possible that if somebody were to say, you know what, I'm opening my house right now, I'm going to feed everybody, I'm a great cook, you're all invited, do you think that might encourage us or support us or build us up? We definitely get maybe possible fatter. Yeah? You know, I think all the gifts are important. All of them are important. None of them are base and none of them are awesome wonderfulness. But for some reason, Paul wanted us to understand that prophecy is one that's very dear to his heart because he was a prophet. And he taught people to prophesy. He spoke the word of God for one another because that word will help us. You know what? I like to be able to heal, heal Patty's mother who's going through chemotherapy. But unless God gives me my gift, I don't have that. But this morning I experienced a gift of mercy. And I cried with her. And I can speak to her prophetic words about God and his word while she's going through this. Do you see how that helps? If nothing else comes and prophetic word comes through, you have helped that person. If the miracle does not happen but you have a prophetic word for her, that will help her. And I think Paul understood that because this life is temporal. It comes to an end. So I'm going to ask the Holy Spirit to fill us with the gifts, with spiritual gifts, for the purpose of you to use them this week. Not so you can say, well, I got that one in my pocket. You know? And for you to use those gifts, but especially that the Father would visit you with prophetic words this week. Because there will be times when that's all that that person needs. Yes, Esther. That's very insightful. There is some wisdom. She was gifted with some spiritual wisdom right there. And she spoke it out, which was, you know what? When we speak prophetically over people, we want to make sure that we're as much as possible filled with the power of God so that which we speak really will build up encourage, and edify that person. We really want to see that refined. You know, if I pray for healing, you get half healed. Hey, that's pretty good. Right? <laughs> But that prophetic word would be good if it were on spot 100%. So, any other um, words of wisdom? A word of encouragement? Prophetic word that is for this morning that you'd like to share? Okay. This is Camille, and she's going to share a scripture. Well, you know, this is the giveaway. You're giving this others. Okay. I read and, you know, I just was eating breakfast this morning and I felt like Psalm 69 was something that I was supposed to share. 
I'm going to share a portion of this. This is out of my character. I told Clara today, she prayed over me because I lost sleep all night long and one night this last week. And when that happens to me, I'm like, what do I do? I want to sleep. Thank God I have to get up in the morning. And so she shared some stuff with me about maybe it's for passionate prayer or for just spending time with God and crying out for someone else. And I came across a scripture, um, Oh God, it is thou who dost know my folly. When I seek for it, it's ugly. And my wrongs are not hidden from thee. May those who wait for thee not be ashamed through me, O Lord God of hosts. May those who seek thee not be dishonored through me, O God of Israel. Because for thy sake I have borne reproach, dishonor has covered my face. I have become estranged from my brothers and an alien to my mother's sons. It showed me that he was willing to to put aside, you know, what his brothers and his mom wanted him to do. For zeal for thy house has consumed me. And the reproaches of others who reproach thee have fallen on me. When I wept in my soul with fasting... It became my reproach. When I made sackcloth my clothing, I became a byword to them. Those who sit in the gate talk about me, and I am a song of the drunkards. But for me, my prayer is to thee, O Lord, at an acceptable time. O God, in the greatness of thy loving kindness, answer me with thy saving truth. Deliver me from the mire, and do not let me sink. May I be delivered from my foes and from the deep waters. It just made me see that he was willing to put aside everything else in his life and to seek the Lord and to be satisfied what he was receiving from God through his passionate prayer. Hi, I'm David Danley. Uh, for those of you that, hey Don, how are you? That don't know me. Um, a particularly important, well, they're all important. <laughs> scripture. I mean, open the book anywhere; it's all good. Um, specific scripture that's come to mind is the one that states that the giftings and calling of God are irrevocable. And my exhortation is not, this exhortation is not necessarily for those to whom this information is new. I have an exhortation for those who feel like they've been set aside, that they're no longer, you know, I used to do this, but I don't anymore, or I can't anymore. You know, God used to use me, but he won't use me anymore, blah, 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 whatever. You know, the Bible's filled with people that made, you know, that protested <laughs> God's picking of them. Moses, Aaron Gideon particularly comes to mind. And I think he was the one that said that, you know, I am of the smallest clan, and in my clan, I'm the least in my clan. You know, and it's like, basically, who, me? And, the you know, the answer is, yeah, you. Um, but for those of you who have expressed 
spiritual gifts, roles, ministries, offices, any or all of the above, but are not experiencing that now, I just want to encourage you that those giftings are not gone, that calling is not gone, and that you can be raised back up again. Thank you. Anyone else? Okay, well then let's stand before the Lord and allow him to uh, fill you with his presence, his love, and his power. Holy Spirit, we thank you for how you see this body. You see what eyes, hands, feet, toes, heart, hair follicles. You see us all. You see our part that we have in this church. And you see our part that we have in this city. And we pray, Holy Spirit, that you would fill us now. Fill us, Holy Spirit, with your presence, with your power, Father, with your love. That wherever we go, Lord, we would be watchful for what you are doing. And we would go about your business. Father, I pray you fill my brothers and sisters not only with the role of a Christian, Lord, but with the power that truly is evident, Lord, that they are a follower of you, Christ Jesus. Father, I pray that they would be, their antennas would be up this week, attentive to the waitress, attentive to their boss, attentive to the neighbor, to their children, Lord. And they would be attentive to how you, Holy Spirit, want to use them, use their mouth, use their hands to advance your kingdom purposes. Father, I pray that we would not crush your spirit, crush your heart, Lord, by being disobedient and holding it and not using it. That we would grieve your Holy Spirit. We pray we would not do that, Lord, but that we would be obedient to do everything you ask of us. Lord, for this is your will that we would follow after Christ Jesus and all he's asked of us. Father, empower those, Father, who are dry and worn out. And it's been a while, Father, they've had to rehearse very old stories because it's been a while. And, Father, I pray you would empower them now with the visitation of your Holy Spirit, with gifting, Lord, opportunities, vision, Father, with utterances, with prayer and faith. That you would visit them, Father, and it would be a new day. Father, old people, young people, you like us all. And you want to use us all, Father. I pray for new stories. Father, release the stories, release the opportunities this week over this congregation. In Jesus' precious name, amen. Okay, we'll see you next week for part two. Right, Randy? All right.